three, four. Me and my friends do sinister things And that's because we're cynical beings And we're living in a house And we're chilling upstairs And we're doing a podcast Impaired Welcome back to this week's episode of Impaired Upstairs With Brady, Ryan, no Cody He's he's on his way back Yeah, yeah, It'll he'll be here sooner than later Hopefully, hopefully by next episode He yeah. will, yeah, I think if he's back next Monday He'll be here for next episode We've really been missing him. He's It's just so sad for him to be gone. Yeah. So who do we have for a guest this week, Ryan? For this week, we have one of my one of my favorite people, one of my favorite customers. Do you want to introduce yourself, Mitch? No, go oh, for I it. I already introduced you. Oh, there it is. <laughs> um, yeah. Mitch Zenobi. How are you doing this evening? Doing fantabulous. Fantabulous. I am as well. It's so good to have you on, man. Me and Mitch go, we don't go too, too far back, but we go pretty far back. A couple of years. A couple of years for sure. Before I went to college, I met you. Yeah. Um, Mitch, is, what do you what do you do for a living, Mitch? How how do we know each other? Well, I take these motorized objects, jam them into softer objects, and they fall to the ground. I cut trees. <laughs> That's a cool way of describing it. That's a it. great way of describing it. <laughs> yes, Mitch, you own a tree service here locally in the Peninsula area. I do. And um, so I I know of Mitch through my workings on chainsaws that I've been doing for a handful of years now. Uh, Mitch is a great customer and a great friend, and so we get along very well in that respect. We uh, we do a lot of do a lot of business, and he's also a pretty cool guy. He's good to talk to. Well, I try. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your tree service business. When did this? Well, when did... hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot. Mitch, what's got you excited lately? What has got you excited lately, Mitch? Well, I had this wild idea to buy another chainsaw. So I'm really getting excited to have it squared away. Yes. Oh, yeah. Squared I away see is, what you're talking squared about. Squared away is a, a sales term uh, for the work that I do to the chainsaws um, oh, to, make, to make them perform better. Gotcha. So squared away is a, is a trademarked, uh, well, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. It may have already been trademarked by someone. I better be careful. Yeah. Not if I keep having to say it about it on Instagram. I mean, you probably got more hashtags. <laughs> yes, yes. I need to look into that. I wonder. It's probably a small surcharge, and then I, I own the term for a while or something. Yeah. So before we get too far into it, let's talk drink of the week and band of the week. Drink of the week is going to be the Storm Surge Hazy IPA by Red Hook. It's pretty good. It is pretty good. Where are these made? These are made in Washington. Uh, Seattle, Washington. They're oaks, so there's a brewery in Seattle, and then yeah. in, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and in Portland. Yeah, it's tasty. Um, it's for for an IPA, it's pretty approachable. I feel like IPAs a lot of times they can be a little bit too much, um, but this one's yeah. I almost good. it's got a cool octopus, uh, like like a, a kraken type red dude, on on the can. It's it's probably not quite as approachable as the Longhammer IPA from Red Hook. Right, yeah. Which I would agree with that. One of our previous episodes we had that as the drink of the week. That's really, really good, really light. This is a little more hoppy, but it's still great. And being a hazy IPA, it does still have that uh, that taste from the, the yeast. Yeah. So you're if you're really not into the yeasty taste, it's got kind of a, a very distinctive flavor to it. I don't want to use the word musty, but it is almost like <laughs> it is almost like a musty taste. Um, so if you're if you're really afraid of that, you know, maybe maybe stick with the long hammer. But it's I I, I like it a lot. I think it's pretty good. It's what we got. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and band of the week. Band of the week. I don't know if you guys have heard of this band. 
yeah, it's kind of obscure. Like, not very many people have heard of it, especially in this area. I don't yeah, pretty I, underground. Uh, band of the week is Nirvana. Yeah, I think uh, their their lead singer is like Kurt. 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 Uh, K- uh, I don't know his last name. Bane or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, like the super, like the super villain Bane, right? Yeah, I thought so. From yeah. Uh, Dark Knight. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> So I mean, okay. What is there to say? I mean, what hasn't already been said about Nirvana? They're uh, a very influential figure in grunge, the grunge scene, early '90s. Yeah, um, definitely. They wanted you to come as you are. Uh huh. And that we did. And there's a sign on if you ever go to Aberdeen, I believe there's a sign outside the city that says "Come as you are," um, which is you know it's kind of sad because I think Kurt Cobain would have detested that he probably would have he was a very shy and kind of a he wasn't real into the fame thing it it, didn't seem like and he wasn't into aberdeen from what i gather i mean there's not much to be excited for in aberdeen but you know i do i mean what i find funny is that aberdeen grasped onto kurt as like their that's like their thing. Like that's what makes Aberdeen oh, known, known to the world. Well, yeah. I mean, what else is there in Aberdeen? There's, they used to have logging, and now that's kind of dried up out there for the most part, right? So I don't know. Yeah, it's just. I mean, he was a great musician, but it seems like I've watched some videos of like people, like Nirvana fans, like, "Oh, we're going to Aberdeen. Like, we're gonna check out this bridge that Kurt used to hang out under, and like this place where this place where Kurt grew up." And it's like, yeah, he's a great musician, but he's just a guy. Yeah, sure. He probably wouldn't want. Like, knowing the way his personality was and how kind of timid he was at times, mm-hmm. it seems like he probably wouldn't want that kind of recurring fame. Have you seen there's, like, a museum exhibit of Kurt? Oh, no. That has, like, like the cardigan that he wore in the MTV Unplugged concert. Whoa. And, all like, his, like, pieces of his smashed guitars and stuff like that. And Is... I, I feel like out of all people, Kurt probably, he was like, why would they, like... I feel like out of all people, he wouldn't totally appreciate that. Yeah. And what do you, where's that museum? Is that in Aberdeen or is that like that the Mopop in Seattle? I think that it's, I'm not sure. I think that I watched a video and it was like in Ireland or something. Unless oh, I was, that's bizarre. I think that it's like something where they take the exhibit different places. Oh, okay. I like think. a traveling kind of thing. I, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, how they do. I, th- I think that's the case. I could be wrong. Um, I know that his childhood home in Aberdeen... Mm-hmm. was up for sale recently oh i heard about that yeah it was up for sale for like six hundred thousand dollars for this crappy old house just because of the historical value behind it of it'll course. be an airbnb and it'll flock <laughs> hundreds of people a year to come <laughs> stay in kurt cobain's house <laughs> that's actually ex- that's actually such a good idea <laughs> well, i mean i already have my room booked don't tell anyone <laughs> <laughs> i think that i think that the right person needs to like buy that place and make it into well a museum or something like that to where they can actually still appreciate that Kurt lived there sure and that he grew up and became the creative person that he was but in a way isn't that kind of what you were saying before where Kurt would have hated that yeah I I just don't know but you gotta capitalize you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah totally totally uh so Mitch yeah it's so good to have you thank you do you you like Nirvana I do like Nirvana in light amounts at a time like I can't bend through three CDs at once because it all is kind of like all right but yeah, occasionally on the radio, I'll I'll crank it. Yeah. Do you have a favorite album? No. Favorite just, song? I like most all of them. Okay. So yeah. I really don't have a favorite, but I like some of his uh, covers that he did, like the David Bowie. I really like that one. Oh, that's Man Who Sold a, the World. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that one is. Uh, 
That was unplugged, I think. Right, yeah, yeah, MTV Unplugged. I think I think he performed it there. There's uh, so many good songs that he did on MTV Unplugged. It was like a flawless um, performance. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, iconic for sure. Definitely. Iconic. That was like kind of a big game changer and right near the end for him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. What is what is your favorite Nirvana album, Brady? In Utero. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's... one is like the perfect amount of perfect amount of like angst but also like it's still very listenable um and yeah i don't know but i like a little bit more of a dark kind of dark music i guess um so right now at this point in my life that's just that's what i'm into maybe someday i'll choose a different album as my favorite but yeah for now i think it's in utero and i just think the best songwriting is on in utero in my opinion You're, you're right i mean I, it's yeah. It really would have been interesting to see if uh, everything had stayed together, um, if what their next album would have been like. Uh, but nah, we'll never know. We will never know. It's it's really hard for me to choose because they're also. I really love Bleach just because it's so. It's like before the fame. Sure. And right. In yeah. a way, Nevermind was before the fame because Nevermind is what got them really, really famous. Uh, like smells like teen spirit lithium come as you are all the all the big tracks off of that it's really hard to choose um i do agree that in utero has the best lyrical content because nevermind had great songs great melodies but the lyrical content was kind of more poppy like more yeah exactly but uh, sound device just words that sound good versus words that have like really strong meaning like you find in, in utero right so it's tricky they're all great they they on nevermind they intentionally made it more poppy though right like that was their their intention was like well let's see if we can just make like a pop album and i think and it they, worked i think they knew that album was gonna get huge you you think so i think that they had a pretty good idea uh, that that was gonna get big yeah um it's especially well, like smells like teen spirit was just such that was like the biggest song in the world for a while oh yeah um, from just this nobody band from Washington. Right. That's yeah. what's really interesting about Nirvana is how quick they rose to fame. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's like overnight. For sure. Yeah. And I think we, aside from Nirvana, you can see the deleterious effects of that meteoric rise to fame. Like, oh, gosh. It, it, it often, it rises, it falls as quickly as it rises. Yeah. It unfortunately. Would be very, that would be very true in that case. Yeah. And, uh, but Dave Girl went off and did his own thing and then, Chris was like just into he's like local politics kind of. Chris is the bassist, and yeah. Dave is the drummer. Yeah. Dave went on to start the Foo Fighters, right? And then Chris like didn't really play music for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that whole experience was really difficult for him. So oh, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it sort of makes sense that he would just like do his own thing for a while and kind of reassess and yeah, yeah. But anyway, anyway, so, <laughs> band of the week, Nirvana. <laughs> Perhaps you've heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mitch. Yeah. I want to ask you about your, what is your business called? Mitch Sonobi Tree Service. MZTE. Very, very, you have a, what's really cool about your business and being able to work with you is the kind of the presence that you have, um, especially like on social media, as well as in the area and kind of the name that you've built for yourself. W- when did you start your business? Late 2018. So... I became an official, I think, in October, and kicked off from there. Gotcha. Stayed stayed plenty busy since then. Oh, yeah. And uh, on the Mitch Zenobi Trees Instagram page, which is seems to be quite hot at the moment, 
um, how many followers you're at, if you don't mind sharing. I got a couple. Couple. Couple thousand, I think 10,300 right now, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> ten, ten three, somewhere around there. Well, still, you know, those are just a little bit, just a little bit around this area. Yeah. You're, you're up there. You're, I mean, that's, that's really, really cool. And what would you say is the secret to getting that kind of pop? Not that the popularity is everything. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's just kind of a part of the equation on growing your business, but, but what's the equation? Like, like, is there a certain post or a certain series of posts that kicked it off? Did it happen overnight? Was it a slow, gradual thing? Well, you kind of have to read people, and people like two things. They like action, and they like fails. I oh, don't. yes. <laughs> I like action, well, and you, I like fails I like well. watching fails, but I don't, I don't like to fail. So, I mean, so mine is more of the action shots. I do occasionally the kind of instructional, but there's so many people like big names like Buck and Billy Ray and August Haneke that are doing instructional stuff that I feel that, you know, it really doesn't need to be gone over again. Um, I've learned a lot from both of those guys, especially Buck and Billy Ray, who also has an Instagram. Go check him out. Um, yeah, he's a really cool tree cutter guy. Up he really is. BC? Yeah, he's in, um, God, it's not Port Alberni. It's the other one. It might be Port Alberni. I don't know. It's up, up island a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just like an old school guy, and I just – watched a lot of his videos and I was like just really fascinating how, how simple he explained it without getting too technical and it was understandable for you know a, that a beginner could understand and you know you picked up a lot of things and so I just yeah start chiseling away and uh Buck and Billy Ray is such a personable guy he he's, is. he's so good behind the camera he's so he, he always starts his videos with okay friends Exactly. Or something yep. like that. He's just such a you watch his videos and you just smile. He just has like this character to him. And um I notice I notice a similar thing with, with yours, the way that you explain things in your videos, I can see why people like them and keep watching them. Um I, there I mean you can make videos a lot lower quality that that would be a lot easier to make, but when you take like the extra steps and really edit your GoPro footage together and make like nice videos, I think that's they stand out, and that's for sure. I like the occasional slow-mo shot, but I try not <laughs> to get too carried away. Like, I did one video, and I've only done one where it was just all falling, slow motion. And I, I kind of, I'm just using the GoPro editor app, so it had a small selection of music on there. And I found one that I like, and it was just all slow motion and stuff falling and exploding and crunching. And it was just, it really tied in. That one was fun. But I usually just do the one minute action shot, you know, face cut, maybe back cut or banging wedges. And so most of your videos are of you, you're wearing a GoPro and you're operating. So you're, you're out there actually falling trees or climbing trees and, and doing what you do for work. What made you decide to want to do that? Like, was it one day where it's like, oh, I got, I want to buy a GoPro and, and start doing this. No one else is doing this. Or what, what was the inspiration for you to actually start making content like that? Well, I was, the GoPro was a Christmas present oh, wonderful. for my fiance, Sarah. I actually, at first, if you go way back, 700 and some posts back, <laughs> I would prop my cell phone up against a stump or on a limb and I'd have the back camera on because the front camera took up too much space on the chip. So I'd have the <laughs> lower quality and I would sometimes I'd get set up. So I would just be like putting in the back cut and then you'd watch the action because I wanted to keep it at a minute. Then I wasn't editing anything. It was just I would keep it under a minute. So I would time myself. 
I never really counted. I just got down to what I felt was a minute and I would do all my action shots in that minute. So some of these trees I'm actually getting from start to on the ground in a minute or less, just so I would keep the Instagram's one minute clip going because they're <laughs> long videos. It's really rare that they actually do well on there. People get bored after like a couple the minutes. Like IGTV videos. Yeah. They get bored and they are like, all right, either fast forward because it, you go to the insights and it tells you how many people are fast forwarding or skipping your video. So I just kind of keep an eye on that. And I was noticing that I did a couple and they were just like a couple hundred views maybe. And I was like, well, that was a really cool shot. Now it's going to get lost in time and there's going to be no views on it. And I, it bums me out because I enjoyed that part of what I either did or the fall or something so much. I was like, I want more people to see this, but it's it, not, it just got lost in internet space. So I've noticed that with mine on, on my page, it, whenever I put an Instagram TV video or like a, a longer, longer than a minute video, they get like a fraction of the views as the short videos. Yeah. And it's just attention span. I think it is. People want to see either an action or a fail. Some of them want to see, you know, uh, like I get asked all the time if I'll do a hand filing video. Cause I hand file my chains square. Most people use a grinder or they don't know what square filing is. Sharpening chainsaw chains, for those of you who aren't aware, our listeners. It's a bit of a process. I I toasted, well, after I rocked the chains, I toasted a lot of files and a lot of chains trying to learn this process of square filing. It's kind of an art, isn't it? Yeah. I, I've never done it. I actually came across it by someone that I was cutting with way back, and he was like, oh, yeah, square files. I was like, what's a square file? I only knew of round filing chains with a grinder. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know a square grinders. It was quite a few years back. And it's like, yeah, you just they got them at the saw shop. I was like, all right, I'll go check them out. Little did I know they were $12 a piece <laughs> where your normal saw file is like two bucks. But so I went through a lot of files and a lot of chain, free filing with no guide, looking at a brand new chain and trying to see what it would look like the best. Because there's a lot of trial and error with trying to figure out how to file a chain by hand with a square file. Yeah. So, a lot of like technique, muscle memory kind of. You have to keep it very straight. So there's on a guide, it's just going to go with the guide. So you're going to have a straight file. But if you're pulling or pushing on the file, you're going to you know, manipulate your angles. So I just did it a million times and I got a good grind going right now and it, it blows chips. It really blows them. So yes, um, as you'll see in some of the videos where it's slow motion and it's just like watching the rainbow of chip shower. I was like, some people are probably going to think this is really stupid, but I just like seeing those big noodles flying out of that tree. <laughs> so it, it was, it's more for me than for anybody else. So to our, who are our listeners that may not be aware, what are the advantages? So like there's like the round filing and then there's a square filing and there are advantages and disadvantages. Like, could you, what are the briefly go over, like why you'd want to square file? If I start rambling, stop me. So how it starts we'll keep it is brief. you got your homeowner chain that's got the safety, the safety links on it. And then you got your semi chisel chains that are more of a rounded working point, And then you got your round ground, really sharp point that uses a round file. And then you have your square or chisel bit. I just call them square because some people like, what are you talking chisels for? We're talking about chainsaws, not hammer and chisels. <laughs> so um, all in all, from the lowest chain to the top chain, the square cuts about 30 to 40% faster. And when you're cutting all day, every day, that, that extra little bit of efficiency. When time is money, 
that extra speed it gets you through the cut it keeps your saws cooler because you're not stressing your saw as long in the cut everything's going faster running smoother the yeah it just it zips through it comparative like you put a round on then you cut with a square and you're like it's like a lightsaber it's like how can i ever go back how can i ever go back and i do and i'm like why am i using this chain i need to go back to my other one but if you're cutting where you know are going to be nails or rocks i i put a round on there just because it's you're not going to burn up a file getting out your broken teeth which which happens sometimes which are also 40 dollars a piece so you know you don't want to just demolish them (laughs) it sounds like when you're cutting residential areas sometimes you cut into things that are harder than wood yeah. What's what's one of the gnarlier things that you've cut into? Because sometimes there will be things like lodged in the tree from years ago, and you'll just happen to find it with your expensive $50 chainsaw chain. The weirdest one was it was this little residential Colorado blue spruce. It was only about 25, 30 feet tall. It was the back of this lady's garden. And I took the tree down, zip, 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 climbed it a little bit. Those are prickly suckers to climb, let me tell you. Oh, man. Um, I got down to flesh cutting the stump. I was about, I don't know, eight inches to a foot high, and I'm cutting through, and all of a sudden you, you feel it. You're hitting something, and your chain comes out with round teeth, and you're like, oh, no. So I go grab my other one. I get to the other side of the stump, and I cut through again. Same thing. In a different spot. In a different spot. And I was like, well, crap. I grabbed my other saw. I wasn't changing chains. I was changing saws. I had four of them with me. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to murder all these chains. I know it. There's got to be something like a, a planter stake, you know, in the pot. Sometimes they have a little steel stake. Uh, I was thinking it was that, but usually steel. Because the tree can, over time will like grow around It grows stuff. around things, through things. It engulfs it. It does all kinds of weird stuff. But I was like, all right, so something's in there and I'm not cutting around it. So I cut on four sides of it and I kept getting close to the center and I toasted all four chains in the saws. I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm not going to ruin another, you know, $100 in chains. So I got my axe. <laughs> and I chopped it. I overlapped the cuts enough so I could chip away to see what was in there. And what happened was, spruce are notorious for this, it sucked rock and dirt up the center of the tree. So I was actually really? cutting basically a concrete, a natural concrete substance of rock and soil engulfed inside the tree. And I, it was just basically cutting gravel. No matter where you cut. No matter where I cut. So how'd you end up resolving that? My axe. I had to axe the whole stump <laughs> down Go to Go back to a, some Stone Age technology. Yep. Yep. I, was, I just smashed it apart with my axe. And I was like, I can't get any further. This is what happened to my client. And she's like, oh. I was like, yeah, that's what I thought too. Oh, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I thought it was steel or something. But it feels different. You can tell if you hit rock or a piece of steel because the vibration, the sound. Usually when you hit a nail or a piece of steel, it kind of makes like a grinding. Oh, yeah. And sometimes if you hit hit rocks, you don't really know it. You're just like, okay, why is there dust and smoke now coming off of my bar? (laughs) Yeah, they don't, they're they're really great at cutting wood, but nothing harder. It's a, it's, it's a bad time. Definitely slows your day down. Yeah. What is your, what is your background in? Wait, in your, in wait, your line of, wait, oh, wait. Before we get into that, have you ever hit a bullet? Because I've heard of people like hitting uh, bullets before. Great it seems, question. It seems like a weird thing, but I've heard of it happening. I have actually not hit a bullet. Okay. Yet. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's going to happen. Yeah. Because people do shoot trees a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, the weirdest thing that I've, I didn't personally cut it, but I was with somebody that was cutting it is out on Lake Crescent. We were taking down these really dead old growth fir trees. They're 
four and five feet in diameter. And about 90 years in, <laughs> the guy hit a quarter-inch piece of steel rod, solid steel rod. Wow. Crazy. It was like at a like a 90-degree angle straight down. He moved the face cut all up and down the tree and could not get away from it. He snapped a chain, and he killed four other chains trying to get that face in. He ended up with the last chain just cutting through it huh. so he could axe out the face cut. But it was like, I don't know, when the railroad was out there or something, somebody just oh. drove a spike. Like a very long spike. We found it in multiple sections. But it was solid steel, like quarter-inch piece of rod. And there were like 90 years of growth rings around it? Yep. It just completely encompassed it, and the steel was just engulfed in there. That is wild. And it was about a 400-year-old tree. Trees are crazy. Yeah. It That's just wild. Like, sucked it right in there. Do you huh. have um? Do you have any, like, um? what is your education in trees? Have you done, because I know that, like, like Cody has, he did some kind of forestry thing at PC. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just so, like one class, but yeah. Yeah. Cody has some, like, some tree knowledge. Is most of your knowledge, like, f- from learning in the field? Yeah, um, pretty much. Reading and. Um, so, funny. I started on a chainsaw when I was seven years old. Oh, there you go. So, a bit of time on saws. Yes. I learned from my great uncle, who was a logger, and he taught us brothers, because I have two other brothers, um, saws. And I was fascinated by chainsaws at an early age. I was like, I've got to do this in my life. This is <laughs> this is one day I will end up doing this. And we read all the this before we were allowed to use the saws. Of course, we watched as we were you know old enough to walk. We watched chainsaws being used, firewood, you know, trees fall and so on. And I was like a sponge, and I was just like, I got to I got to I got to operate these things. You know, this is just looks like a blast. But before we were allowed, we read the safety manuals. We, we were very, we were tested on like kickback positions and where the pinch spots are going to be. So back then it was really ingrained to learn where not to cut and where today people give a new starter, a new uh, person operating a chainsaw, like a 170 with a 16 inch bar, yeah, a little small chainsaw. We were learned on an old Husqvarna 266 with a 28-inch bar. Oh, yeah. The theory is it won't hit your feet if you drop the bar because the bar's long enough. You know, we, we were strong enough to carry it. We were farm kids. So um, it'll hit the ground before it hit your feet, and you won't cut your feet off. So, you know, you learn where the saw is, and you learn the pinch points and the kickback was the most important thing that we were ingrained in our brain is to not get in that specific spot. Because during cutting, you do use that point of the bar a lot, but you know how to manipulate it to not get a kickback. Uh, kickback for those uh, of our viewers who are not familiar with chainsaw <laughs> stuff is uh, if you use the very top, like right near the tip of the bar of the chainsaw, right near the, Right near the top. Like where little, it curves? Is right that, where it curves, right near yeah, the end. There's a little yeah. danger zone. What can happen is if you hit something solid, it, the saw will kind of walk up out of your hands. And sometimes at a lightning speed, so you blink and it's above your head. Yeah. If you're running at 13,500 RPMs or if your saw is squared away, 14,200 RPMs, <laughs> and you pop it in that spot, a lot of people catch it cutting through something and there's an obstacle behind it. So they've come down their top cut and they hit a piece of log behind it and it grabs that spot and it throws it out of the cut. Like right up towards your face usually. Right up towards your face. So you got to really be careful of it and have your hand in the right spot because a lot of people also run their saws holding the side of the bar. So if 
it hits that kickback position, it's just going to throw it right out of your left hand, and you're going to be holding it, dangling with your right hand. Yeah, you have no strength holding it in that spot. And it's not going to hit the brake. So you have a full spin and chain coming right at your head. That's not good. No. No. <laughs> that's far, very far from bad. My, far from ideal. <laughs> no. That's why I like the skull bucket hard hat, which I wear, is because it's aluminum and it's got a brim on it. Arborist climbing helmets don't have a brim. So I want, you know, a couple inches away from my nose, something that's going to hit and steal of a type, some sort of metal instead of a plastic. So if it were to happen, that it kind of just scrapes instead of, you know, engulfs into my skull. Yeah, we don't want none of that. <laughs> nope, no skull splitting. <laughs> you know, your your skull looks pretty good the way it is. So I, think I like it in it, one piece. Yeah, yeah, let's keep it that way. <laughs> let's keep it that way. <laughs> yes, that's that's always good. The skull doesn't need any weight reduction. It's it's at a perfect weight. Just let's let's keep it that way. Yeah. You yeah. said you said you grew up on a farm, so to speak, <laughs> an eighty acre swamp out in Joyce. Eighty acre swamp out in Joyce. See, it I, rains a lot out there. In case anybody on the west coast knows, uh, I didn't know that you grew up on a farm. I mean, uh, clearly there's a farm. I I grew up on a farm. So. Well, there was animals and okay, stuff. Well, so well, yeah, what kind of <laughs> what kind of animals did you have? Horses, cows, chickens, ducks, pigs, sheep. At one point in time. Yeah, just a broad variety. Okay, the lot. So you clearly you did a lot of farm work, bucking bales and throwing grain around. We never or? grew our own hay, but yeah, moved a lot of it. Yeah, an awful lot of it. Yeah, you learn how to stack a truck that way. Oh yeah, 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 like six or seven. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Were you ever involved in a like 4-H or anything? No, I was homeschooled. Okay. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, um, you know, Joyce people are a little little more interesting so they like to do things a little differently out there yeah definitely sometimes they don't follow curriculum (laughs) yeah so well yeah and this is actually something that i kind of wanted to talk about i think i know where you're going with this say it the rat hole yeah sorry to bring it up but (laughs) do you have any experience with the rat hole the rat never heard of it actually oh okay (laughs) that's that's shocking considering you're a joyce resident I'm totally crapping you. I've totally heard of the rat hole. I've, oh, I've been I was going to say, I was... <laughs> so, uh, what do you know about it? There's no rats that I know of. <laughs> I've never seen a giant hole. I don't know why it's named the rat hole. Well, you've seen you've seen the, the wood cut of the big rat, right? Oh, yeah. That, okay. that came later. Lots later. There was... Oh, gotcha. there, yeah, they've gone through a few signs. I think they've rotted oh, over really? time. <laughs> gotcha. What in the world? Okay, so this is like... It's like a community, right? Is no, it, there's there's just some people who live up there. Some of them, you know, it's a fit, there's large families, and I mean, some people I don't know up there. They're just, you know, they live up in the top of the valley, just off the land. No, it's full it's full grid. Oh, really? Yeah, they they hook up the normal power and water and all that. Well, it might be well up there, but I don't know. But, so there's yeah. no like scary weird cult backstory to it. Well, if they're trying to keep an urban legend going, I don't want to blow it for them. <laughs> so I'm just going to say there could be or there couldn't be. Interesting. Yeah. So like our experience has been there's some like there's some spooky stuff up there, like, you know, cultists and like devil worshipers. And like you're going to like like if you pull into the wrong spot. It's all over. Like yeah, they're coming gonna, back out. They're gonna kidnap you. Your banjos. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a little too far north for the banjos, but <laughs> no banjos and pig squealing. That's all I've ever heard. <laughs> so the rat hole is not what it's cracked up to be. What? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> Who knows? 
I I think it's regardless the legend is still there. There's there's a legend basically everywhere you go out west. Like kind of these small communities they don't like each other too much because one one of them is doing this and the other one's doing the exact same thing but they think they're different and it's like, "Oh, forks people. Oh, Joyce people. Port Angeles. Did you say squim?" I mean, you know, <laughs> there's there's all these niches everywhere where people think they're, you know, like, oh, those people are this. And they're they're just normal people. I mean, but, you know, the legends start, and, of course, it's not going to stop. <laughs> the urban legends of all the scary and whatever else. It's too fun to, like, it let is. it die. You just got to keep it going regardless. I would keep it going just to keep the um, uh, Cali people out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's something that we've been noticing a lot more of lately is like I've heard not to get into like property prices and stuff, but I've heard of a lot of houses going for sale and people uh, transplants coming in and doing just bidding wars, bidding houses up and you'll get like, you know, five or six people not not five or six people, two or three people, and they'll go five or six bids over the asking price. So that's it's pretty it's pretty volatile market right now. I've got a doozy for you. Um, I was doing an estimate at a property adjoining another property that was for sale, and it went. It started at two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It was three quarters of an acre on a bluff, and it went a hundred thousand over. Just because two people that were rich from Southern California were like, no, I want it. No, I want it. No, I want it. But the reason why there's a lot of influx coming is because their wildfires have been so bad lately that they're displaced and they're like, we've had it with this. We don't want to deal with this fire danger anymore. I have a few clients from the Paradise Fire that lost everything. They lost friends, neighbors that perished in the fires and some of them made it out and their friends were like, you know, let's just get out of here. Let's find somewhere else that has no history of really bad burns. And they're really cool people. Northern California, mostly, you know, it's there's they're a different mentality than the Southern California, but I mean, they're nice people and they're they're level headed. And but you know, there's thousands of them that have been displaced from these fires down there, and so they're just trying to find everywhere that's not going to burn within the next year because there's fires down where these people have left that are burning again you know, new growth or dead growth, you know, there's a lot of human started fires down there and they just want away from it. Unfortunately for us, it's driving our housing market way out of the ballpark, but right. Yeah. Not, I, not much we can do about it. No, it's just the way the world's spinning right now. And yeah. Yeah. I, I never really understood the concept of gentrification, but now it's, it's coming to, it, it's coming to make sense. It's like, Oh yeah, these people are coming in. Uh, that haven't historically lived here, and then as, when when they buy homes that are at a higher price, uh, that drives taxes up, and then you're having to pay taxes on a higher price, and and your rent goes up, and it's just kind of it's it's that's just the way of the world, but it's kind of an interesting dynamic that has happen now so, their money yeah. down there goes a lot farther up here so their one bed bedroom one bath goes for you know a four bedroom three bath up here because you know everything is a lot more expensive down there and they come up here and are like wow it's so cheap and we're like no it's very expensive stop <laughs> yeah yeah totally <laughs> but totally. there's there's bare parts of land that are like an acre or two acre going for a hundred thousand dollars of just bare dirt oh, yeah man. and people are buying it and building on it it's like how are you 
affording that. Right. Yeah. We can't, but you know, the money comes in from down south and you know, they're like scooping it up. Squim is really hot right now for mm-hmm. the people coming in and building everywhere. Yeah, there's a a lot across the way. Five acres, no power, no water. Went for two hundred twenty thousand. That's what that's what I heard anyway. So I mean, this yeah. makes me sound old, and I'm not that old, but I remember you know property at like five hundred thousand dollars an acre. You know, primo timber. And uh, now it's like, well, you got an acre, you got two acres. Yeah, that's like fifty grand minimum. It's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> how yeah. far we've come. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it can only, well, I would say it can only go one direction from here, but I hope it doesn't. Wait, but are you saying it'll go down? I'm hoping it, well, I mean, I'm hoping it will. Well, but you're, you're in the, you're in the buying business and not in the selling business. So yeah, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. You're in a, it's, it's great if you're selling, but if you're buying, then it's like starting to get really unattainable. It is so. starting to get really unattainable. It's, it's, it's worrisome and it's like. How are we supposed to? It's got to all equalize, but it usually does. But I just don't know how. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's hard to tell what the future is going to hold. Exactly. The yeah. bubble will burst eventually, but it could be another five years. You know, how high is it going to get then? Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of a scary thought. Don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's brutal. So you grew up in Joyce. Were you born in Joyce? I was born in PA. Okay. Well, so I, close enough. Yes, yeah, <laughs> close enough. You never you never lived anywhere else though, so you're pretty pretty local to the area growing up. Joyce and Squim. What did you do for fun growing up in Joyce? Oh shoot. First, riding horses. That was fun recreation, hiking. Um, nearly killed twice on horses, so I was like, I should probably stop. Oh really? My my major bodily injuries are from horses. What? Yeah. I always hear that, oh, motorcycles are so bad, but horses are safe. No, horses are dangerous. This is, my theory is you're trying to control something that has a brain. Yeah, that exactly. That you're not plugged into. So, yeah. A motorcycle will tell you, it'll do what you tell it to do. Exactly. I mean, you sometimes gotta, it has more power than you expect or not a good enough brakes or something and you just like hurt yourself, but it takes your input and outputs but you eventually learn where the power band is on a horse it's like (laughs) mellow walking oh there's a stump we're doing 25 miles an hour instantly (laughs) yeah the whole brain of its own thing has always kind of frightened me what how what was the horse injury like did you actually get injured yeah my um, first one was when i was four the horse we're riding the horse around the farm and the electric fence it touched the fence and it bucked we we were (laughs) me and my older brother were riding double and he fell, I was riding behind and he fell off first and then I fell off and I landed on, we wore helmets and I landed. That's good. Yeah, we were smart then, right? Well, yeah. unfortunately for this <laughs> is my, I landed on his head on my stomach and I ruptured my spleen. Oh, oh no. So like, yeah, that, that sucked. I went to the hospital and I didn't have to have surgery or anything and it calmed itself down, but it swelled up pretty bad and talk about a terrible stomach ache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bet. So that was four. And then when I was 12, we we're riding horses and it rained the day before. So, I mean, Joyce, you're in boots like seven months out of the year. Well, now, I mean, before it was like 10 and a half, but yeah, I was going to say <laughs> at least seven, at least seven. That's a minimum. <laughs> so, I mean, it's on a slope, but it doesn't drain that well. So anyway, um, the horse slipped in the mud and I fell with the horse, it slipped on its side, and it twisted my leg at the knee around backwards underneath the horse. Oh. Terry ACL? I don't know. <laughs> Never went to the doctor. Oh. <laughs> How's that working to this day? It cracks and pops. Oh, so okay. So when I get up and I, I kneel down and stand up, it sounds like popcorn. 
probably going to need some attendant to before too long, but mine sounds like that too. It, um, my entire leg turned black and blue. I couldn't walk on it for like two months. I was on crutches, you know, it was just like, it was, it was a mess, but walking now. So yeah, one foot in front of the other. Something obviously fixed itself. <laughs> so after that, I was like, you know, the heck with horses, dirt bikes sound fun. Cause yes. we, we had the old 1983 wheelers. Oh, death traps. Oh, yes. Yeah. I had one of those back in the day when I was really, really little. What? Really, you did? Uh-huh. A little yellow three-wheeler. Oh, is it, it the one at Terry's? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my goodness. Those things are fun. So we had the Honda 200s, the um, the manual shift but no clutch, auto mm-hmm. auto clutch. Yeah. No rear suspension, big balloon tires, a little bit of front suspension. So we went everywhere on those. We would drive. We'd load up gas cans, and we'd drive from our house all the way out to the West Twin through the logging roads, and we went oh. everywhere on those. And we, like, kind of got bigger, and we are like, oh, motorcycles sound fun. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm, I want a motorcycle. And my parents were like, motorcycles? I was like, well, <laughs> I want to go fast. Ar- <laughs> arguably less dangerous than the three-wheelers. You well, think so? <laughs> Oh, we man. never got hurt Th- on the three wheelers though. Those will screw you up. Well, yeah, you just gotta learn to lean, and well, we flipped them I've over a lot. Never, I've actually never ridden one. Well, so the 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 trick with the three three wheelers is they're not they're not made to go that fast. Well, right? these yeah, they didn't go that fast. You had a low range and a high range, so like I think topped out maybe 35, 40 miles an right. hour on oh, a downhill. Gotcha. So you even know. if you wipe out, it's like well, I mean that thirty five is pretty fast. It's pretty fast, but we never but, we never crashed going fast. It was right. just like, okay, we're on a like a first gear creeper trail and you hit a root and the balloon tire goes boing and over you go. <laughs> so you pretty much just stand up and it just tips over. We never like rolled me down banks or anything. Yeah, totally. That's what's always scared me about quads and well, like mostly quads. I've never ridden a three-wheeler, ever had one. But if you wad one of those up on a trail or like on a hillside, they're going to roll down the hillside. Oh, I got a story for you. They're gonna they're gonna tumble, or if you they're gonna land on you. Motorcycles will just dig in and stop rolling, unless exactly. you really screw up. Well, unless you like go over backwards, pop a throttle, and it rockets up and over your shoulder and goes down the hill. I mean, then it's gonna go in for in for end. Was that the story? <laughs> no, that's not my story. Oh, <laughs> let's hear the story. My story yes, is for please. quads. So one year I was riding the Sadie Creek uh, Poker Run. Oh, it's a good time. Yeah, it was a lot of people doing stupid stuff sometimes, like yeah. this one fella. So my quad is uh, it's not running right now, unfortunately, but it's an Arctic Cat 500, four-wheel drive. Big boy. Big boy, yeah. I mean, they got really, really good ground clearance. It's got a winch on it, and I was riding, and um, the whole line on the lower trail had stopped and backed up. I was like, what is going on? Somebody is gone somewhere they probably shouldn't and we were along the lyre river you know it's like 300 feet down and we kind of crept up and it's like well i was looking over there and i was like why is there a yamaha raptor in the river oh (laughs) Oh, dear (laughs) so this fella had i guess you know did a little throttle crack and just bumped something and launched himself right off the hill he bailed he didn't go with it but his quad went all the way to the bottom into the river so i was like well fellas i got some straps and a winch <laughs> i can help you, you out today i i pulled him out oh man no there's like four or five of us that pushed it up we cut a trail like until we couldn't push it up the bank any farther and we just i have like a hundred foot cable on it and then like another oh, 30 foot go. strap so i just put my bumper up to a tree and just started pulling it up the hill and it took about an hour to get him out but 
the guy was like, I'm just going to leave it here. We're done. I was like, no, dude, <laughs> we'll get it out of here. You can't leave your quad in the river. I mean, how bad was it? How ruined was it? From it it down? really wasn't like <laughs> he just bent his bars a little bit. Maybe broke a, a fender or two. <laughs> he he didn't. I was like expecting like break, tor- a, break a arms, torn or... off a arms and, you know, axle missing and all that. But it just kind of softly rolled down the, the ferns and, Plopped, <laughs> plopped right side up in the river. Oh wow! Landed right on its feet. <laughs> That's yep. awesome. Yep. Right on. That poker run's always so much fun. I've always ever been there on dirt bikes though, which the the dirt bike trail is different than the quad trail, if, if I'm not mistaken. Or at least last time I went, it was. It's like a whole different set of trails. God, I haven't ridden out there in probably. It's probably been like almost 15 years now. Oh man. Yeah, I know there's a lot more out there than when I was riding it, but. Yeah. For the people that aren't familiar with the poker run, what's a poker run? The poker run is something I never won. <laughs> no, I never I never won it either. It's um Well, I mean, it's a poker, so you'd never win. It's gambling. Exactly. Well, it's it's an interesting. It's actually really really fun. So it's it is a it's not a race. It's more of like a No, you just ride and you get the like checkpoints. A, it's like a relay. Yeah. But it's not even really a relay. You pretty much just ride at whatever pace and you get to these checkpoints and they give you there's all it's in a big trail system um sadie creek so it's west of here it's uh, about i'd say 10 miles west of joyce yeah on 112 yep so it's a, a huge really cool motorcycle quad trail system lots of lots of stuff to ride um even if it's not the poker run it's a fun place to go ride and uh so you're there with uh, probably a couple hundred people show up, would you say? Oh, easily. A couple hundred? Yeah. Last I went was probably a couple hundred. For like, I probably went like four or five years ago last time. And you, you do all these, I think they give you a map, and you, you go ride all these trails, and then they you go to these checkpoints, and there are these guys that hand you playing cards. And whoever ends up with like the best poker hand, because they hand you a random card out of a shuffled deck, so whoever at the very end ends up with the best poker hand wins prizes. Back when I wrote it, it was way more ghetto. So they had the cards folded into pill containers in a five-gallon bucket, and they shook the bucket up, and you reached in and grabbed the pill container, and the card was folded so they could see what the hand was on the inside, and then they punched your ticket. Oh, I, th- I want to say that they just handed me a card. I think they just handed me a card last time I went. And there has to be some sort of verification, though, to make sure that you don't, like, go to the store, buy the same deck of cards, and, like, oh, look, I got the best hand, you know? <laughs> I, I think they had a they had a punch. They had a punch or something. They Yeah, they punch your card. They punch your yeah. card with some kind of special deal. So they, they know that it's, it's verified and that you're not cheating. And they give you pretty cool prizes if you get a good hand. I think that you can win, like, really nice helmets and, oh, gosh... I think there was like a really nice uh like uh scissor lift motorcycle stand. Like one that you step on and it lifts your bike up so you can work on it. Like Ooh. someone Yeah, pretty like a three or four hundred dollar bike stand. Nice. And uh then there's like trophies and stuff. Uh I ended up with a trophy even though I didn't get a very good hand and it was actually like a uh it was participation a, trophy. <laughs> it, it was literally it was a Hurricane Hill trophy from OPMC. From like the previous year, so it was just a leftover trophy. Does so, anybody want this, Ryan? Me. I'll take it. I'll take all of them. I won. I won. I swear. They started just eventually handing these trophies out, and it was, it was like these random trophies. I was there with my buddy, my buddy Leaf. His name is Leaf Erickson. Oh, you were there with Leaf? Oh yeah, I was there with Leaf, Dalen, 
uh, Christian Middlestead. No way. Yeah, Leaf was there, and he's like, he's like, oh yeah, I love these people. They just you know, there's your old trophies, like they're dusty. <laughs> like <laughs> Leaf's such an interesting guy. I love Leaf. Leaf's yeah. a really really cool kid. He's got a cool Subaru. Oh oh really? Wait, what kind of Subaru does he have? It's a um, it's a bug eye. It's like a ye- uh, a yellow bug eye. Okay. It's like, like a blaze yellow. It's some, I think it's like kind of a rare color or something. Like a WRX, like an old yeah yeah yeah, a, yeah, d- yeah. Uh, bug eye WRX. Gotcha. Right on. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. He definitely he definitely loves it. And him and his dad were so into motorcycles and stuff. I would always like me and Leaf hung out a, a, a decent amount, especially when I got my my old KDX two hundred. Um. Because I was like, hey, Leaf, like, does your dad know anything about these? And he was, like, checking it out and stuff. So we, we hung out eh, relatively frequently around, like, junior year. And I rode that poker run with him and a few other guys. Uh, Bradley Lightfoot was there. Uh, and it was just a great time. Tons and tons of fun. I had the KX250, the motocross bike. Oh, yeah. That'll get that'll do what you need it to. Yeah. It That's had, usually uh, more than enough power for most people. Had aftermarket pipes and filters. So it was, it was probably cranking close to 50 horsepower that's what they make yeah 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 no uh that's very I, smooth power band all the way from bottom to top it was really nice oh yeah that's handy because what so i'm not much of a dirt bike guy but what i hear is two strokes tend to the they have a power band and you it's it's kind of like a kind of like what you have with the turbo where you you got like nothing 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 and then all of a sudden, everything open everything opens up, and then you're like, "Whoa, okay, too much power." <laughs> that's, that's a the story, great way to describe it. That's the story I heard. I was like, "Oh man, I get it ready for this bike because I saw it at Olympic Power Sport. Some guy was selling it there. I was like, I gotta have this bike. I was like, it's it's time to get a nice bike because I was riding old Honda XR 500s from you know, like an '89 XR 500. You know, oh. just it was just like 300 pounds, heavy bike. crap suspension. I mean, it it hauled butt." But that'll get you in shape. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's a lot to manhandle around. So I was like, I need a lighter, faster. And I was getting it. I built my own track around the property out there. So I had my own motocross track. So I was like, I can't keep jumping this XR 500. Clapped out Honda. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, it was a $500 bike. So I mean, you know, but I ended up finding this, uh, it was a 98 kicks 250. And I was like, all right, story of the truth to two strokes is, you're going, you're going, you're gone. I was, I was like, all right, expecting it. And it was just so smooth. Like they don't have a whole lot of low end power, but it's just gradual zip just right up the top. And I was like, well, this is awesome. And it was a great trail bike. I mean, that's why I rode for trails. And it was, you, know, you just put it in the right gear and it would go up anything. My, my, I have a CR250, which is the Honda variant of the KX250. So a 250cc two-stroke bike. And uh, mine definitely has bit me a few times with the power. I'm also like a buck 40. I'm pretty light. So that's kind of a lot of bike for someone my size. Um, To this day, I still almost wish I would have got a 125. But I probably would have been just fine on a 125. But it is nice to have that power and that low end torque when you need it. But the I remember pretty vividly, I had uh, the day after I bought the bike, the piston exploded nah. <laughs> and it was it was a strange occurrence because it was like it was a genuine honda piston there was no re- there was nothing f- there's no funny business it just broke like the the day after i got the bike i like i took it out rode it around the, the property i was like this thing's awesome it's so fast and i gave it like one big rev and then it was like <laughs> and it just like white smoke out the exhaust Ooh. not oh. not like blue smoke like you get out of a two-stroke like naturally it's it was like white transmission oil smoke 
So the piston exploded, like blew the cases apart. It was horrible. So I rebuilt the bike. It was actually a great, it was a, a turn of events in my life. Cause that's when I really kind of learned about motorcycle engines. It was out of necessity. You're like, at this point I better learn. Otherwise I just dropped however much money on this bike. And well, I'm... shop time's expensive. So yeah. you gotta learn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I was not bringing it to a shop to fix it for me. I had done some work on my previous bike. I mean, we actually, my stepdad and, um, uh, one of his friends and I had completely like gone through the other bike and I had caught it, like got a taste for it. I'm like, okay, so I can like, this is a really, like, I need to split the cases. I need to go as deep into this thing as I, as I have to, but like no one else is going to do it for me. I'm going to have to figure this out. And I did my bike still is a super fast bike to this day. And, um, but the story on, and it was great. Cause I learned a lot about engines doing that. And then I've kind of made that into a career, which is cool. Um, it was like a blessing in disguise almost. Didn't ride much that summer. <laughs> but I definitely had oily hands and learned how to fix motorcycle engines. Arguably more important. It's been, I'm glad, I'm actually, it's weird to say now, but I'm glad that happened because <clears throat> it would. It was like a very big turning point. Uh, but anyway, so I got the bike all rebuilt. And when you, when you get a bike rebuilt, it has like really like tons of compression because everything's brand new. It's like running like it should. It has tons and tons of power. And that bike had an FMF fatty uh, expansion chamber and a silencer so it was making like it, it had good pipes on it it was making good power <clears throat> and i'm like oh this thing's all done like i'm ready to go rip this thing and i'm like you know cruising it around i'm like wow this thing's wicked fast like this thing is so fast and i was at my dad's house you know you guys have both been there there's that hill and then up at the top of the hill on the very south side of the property there's like that covered area yeah uh there used to be a sawmill up there um, I was like, I was just I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go rip this hill. So I ride up that hillside, and the bike I'm probably like second gear or something, and the bike just gets on the pipe, and that power valve opens, and it just like all I remember is like my hands and knees like landing on the grass, and the bike just <laughs> just completely rode out from underneath me, and I just I just like look up and I see the bike like, and then the fender just uh, the rear fender just digs into the dirt, and the bike just tumbles down, and it bent the the silencer is like the muffler on a two strike they call it a silencer because that's all it does is it silences the exhaust and um i guess a muffler does the same thing they, they just call it a silencer for whatever reason because it sounds cooler obviously it's a cool name it's like <laughs> it's like oh, on a gun yeah exactly it's like, oh man I, uh, they call it a suppressor yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it completely bent the silencer like above the seat oh. you know, i just tweaked it so bad so i put it in the vice and straightened it <laughs> and like and just like, I'm like, oh, well, that happened. I broke the fender, so I bought a new $20 fender. And that's just like part of the fun. I, I did that exact same thing, except my pipe didn't bend, but my tailbone didn't feel so well. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I remember that story. <laughs> yeah, I unofficially probably broke my tailbone when I looped. I was going over to this little rise. And I was like, all right, just kind of gave it a little too much gas, got to the top, and the <laughs> wheel walked right out from underneath me and landed right on the hard pack on my butt. And I was like, oh, I couldn't ride for like a month and a half. It just hurt every bump. I was just like, yeah, I think I messed something up in there, but eh, I got back on eventually. And Did you just let it naturally heal like the like the knee? Yeah, I, I don't even, I mean, nothing felt like too funny. It was just really, really sore for a very long time. And if you're, okay, you go to the doctor and you say, okay, I think something's wrong with my tailbone, and then they give you an x-ray, and then they charge you a million dollars, and then they say, all right, well, just don't sit down for a while. Yeah. Here's uh, a butt cast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they're going to really do anything for you. All they can do is Yeah, they're say, not going like, to cut into you for that. Yeah, no, just, you really can't cast a tailbone, so, yeah. I mean, just... 
let her naturally go. And mm-hmm. I climbed back on the saddle after a while and just kind of rode with it, feeling a little uncomfortable. But yeah, we hit the trails, shredded up. I just had to replace. I I kind of bent my triple clamp a little bit, but I just I had some nice pro taper bars. They didn't bend, but they just kind of tweaked a little bit. So I just learned to ride it that bend way. The triple clamp. That's like that's <laughs> not good. Like that's a big chunk of metal to bend. Well, it was just off a little bit. Oh, gotcha. Just just a tad enough to be annoying, but. You get used to it. It's like, eh, new plastic's more important, so no I, rear fender. Uh, I completely blew out a radiator on the KDX, like dumped all the coolant in the trail. Oh. Um, like I landed, I, it wasn't that big of a crash. It was just kind of like a little digger and just like laid the, it was a kind of a wet day, laid the bike down and like, it didn't really, like nothing really stabbed into it, but it just like the way that it hit the ground and I think something kind of like a rock got its way in there and then fell back out but it was like a big punch in the radiator. It was just like leaking coolant all over the trail. I, I putted the bike back, just like leaking coolant. <laughs> just like, it was right down It was right down the road from my house. So that was kind of a bad one. That was expensive. Speaking of things getting bent, kind of, uh, <laughs> kind, kind of off, but uh, have you ever seen videos or in person uh, a truck with a bent frame going down the road? Just the other day, actually. <laughs> oh, where they're like sideways. Yeah, exactly. Completely out of alignment. Yeah, exactly. Like the the rear tires are like you can see like the whole side of the truck going down the road because it's totally, totally out of alignment. It's hilarious. I've seen a couple of them in the last couple of weeks. Actually, one of them was like twisted vertically down the frame where the cab was leaning left and the bed was leaning right and then i saw one where it was just kind of going down the street at an angle yeah because the tires were straight on the road but the frame was way off yeah my my uh, i saw one of my friends posted on snapchat video of a truck doing just that exact same thing and it yeah it's it's so funny to see where it's like that's that you don't have to know anything about cars or trucks or anything and you can say that's that's not right. <laughs> something's wrong. Something's there. wrong there. Some scary things can happen in the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you did you see that that video? I think it was in a Walmart parking lot and that guy's truck was like driven up onto a like a light pole. And then he and then he like it's his literally his front tire was like up on the light pole somehow and then he backs off and then his airbag goes off. <laughs> have you seen that? I have. It's like no. that white truck. Oh, I got to find that for yeah. you guys. It, I've never it was seen funny. That. It blew his hat off, and his hat just like lands on the ground from the airbag. <laughs> oh, poor guy! It's a rough day. It was like a brand new truck, too. Poor guy. Probably does. Probably did something to deserve it. Well, isn't that isn't that funny? Okay, not to get too philosophical, but isn't that funny how like when something bad happens to someone you automatically want to be like ah they're probably just a jerk or something like (laughs) i'm sure they did something to deserve it that is an interesting piece of psychology because i find myself doing that all the time where it's like ah well you know you probably did something dumb to deserve that or like there's a series of events that have led to you being misfortunate that's not always the case though the best example of that you guys ever watch on Spike TV back in the day? There was a show called A Thousand Ways to Die. Oh my gosh! No, never did. Okay, really? No, that show was awesome. So the the funny thing about that show is almost every single time they paint out the person that dies as some sort of like either total idiot, weirdo, or yeah, weirdo, some kind of like just really mean person, and like and then it makes you feel a little bit better about like oh 
okay, well, yeah, they died in this really horrible, gruesome way, but at least they were a terrible person, so I don't, <laughs> so I don't have to feel bad about it, you know? <laughs> that was a wild show. That I mean, it was actually interesting, the production value behind that show, because there were, like, pretty well-made episodes. Oh, yeah, totally. There totally. was that one where, like, oh, my gosh, like that guy was they were like out in the woods and they were taking some kind of drug where they were like hallucinating and he thinks that like how did that work he like went up and talked to a bear and the bear killed him or something (laughs) there's a bear he he was like oh there's a bear but he didn't actually understand it was a bear and he was on drugs and bear killed him yeah and there was like these people were in a tent and it got windy and the tent flew away with, with them, with them in, it? in it yeah oh like, the wind caught it just right apparently it's all based off of real stuff right because there's a book loose oh yeah there's a book called a thousand ways to die and i think most of the stuff in that show was based on the book a thousand ways to die but maybe it sounds like from the the book was a little bit more true to reality and then the tv show kind of like played stuff up a little bit more get the views you yeah know. Yeah, like I remember one episode about a businessman in Japan or something, and he's like just learning about like the Japanese culture. So he's trying to figure out like, oh yeah, all the all the minutia of the Japanese culture. And he does a bow with another guy, and on the way back up out of the bow, I've seen en- this one. Yeah, he ends up hitting the guy's forehead or something at the back of his head, and then he. Like has an aneurysm because of it and dies like right there. <laughs> so like, oh, oh my gosh, this poor man! Did you, did you? Oh my gosh, this one's this is a controversial one. The lady was on the airplane. Oh, and she flushed the airplane toilet. This is like back in the seventies or something. Uh, she flushed the airplane toilet while while she was sitting down on it, and there was some kind of like vacuum, and it like pulled her guts out and killed her. Is that possible? That was, an, that was an episode of Thousand Ways to Die. I swear there was like a Mythbusters episode about that. I, I remember the episode. It could be false, but it was sure entertaining. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, like, uh, that sure like can't be aired anymore. Like that was. Oh no, that was definitely like an early mid two thousands show that like that's never gonna be aired again because that's too, too. Too hot for TV. Too hot for TV. Even oh, yeah. for Spike. <laughs> even for Spike. Does is that even is that channel even around anymore? I don't know. I feel like the whole Spike channel is too hot for TV these days. Do you watch much TV, Mitch? Sure don't. I don't. No. I love YouTube. Yeah, yeah just yeah. YouTube, and that's about it. Stuff yeah. I see floating around on Facebook, but no, not much of a TV fan. It's too big of a waste of time, really. Yeah, know. it's a time suck for sure. Yeah. Time Before suck you know it, sure. I mean, you're through hours and hours and your eyeballs are going to fall out of your head and you're like oh my day's wasted <laughs> yeah exactly and most of the time it's nothing actually you didn't really learn anything or like gain anything out of it it's just pure pure hedonism you lost brain cells that day <laughs> <laughs> totally totally the beauty yeah. of i got my dad really really hooked on youtube i'm like dad you gotta start to, start watching youtube like tv is such a waste of time he's like oh like i don't understand how it works so i like showed him how to use youtube on the tv like you know you like hit the youtube button on the remote yeah and now that's like all he watches really and it's um because you can like actually watch stuff that you want to watch yeah it's made by usually like small content creators that aren't in it for the money or maybe they're a little bit in it for the money depends on the channel i would say if they get the views they make the money yeah yeah (laughs) totally depends on the channel most of the stuff he watches though is you know like gold panning or like you know some something your dad would watch on youtube (laughs) yeah yeah and you can it's just so much better of a platform because you can you can actually learn from watching youtube 
it's just as entertaining if you want it to be. Oh, yeah. And it's just a way better platform. And there's no subscription fee yet. Okay, but that's that's a whole other thing. I don't know if we need to get into that. But, like, they say if you aren't paying for something, then, like, you are the product. Does that make sense? So, like... Like on YouTube, it's like you're not buying anything to watch it, but you're getting served up ads, multiple ads, every video. It's like radio. So, yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, maybe you aren't paying for anything out of your pocket, but in a way you still are paying for it because you're paying for it with your time. Like you're still having to watch the ads. Unless you have ad block and then like... I think there is the... um, You can pay a certain amount a month and it, it cuts all the ads out the subscribers no, YouTube premium. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube red. Is that the same thing as YouTube premium? I don't know. Yeah. I haven't gotten it. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm not buying none of it. <laughs> I just wait the 15 or 30 seconds. And I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Ad blocker is a beautiful thing too. Oh yeah. And you know, like if we ever start posting YouTube videos, like disable ad blocker, yeah, disable ad blocker. <laughs> <laughs> we need every, everything we can get. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, uh, some of the creators on there, they have the ads because the more ads they put in the video or a certain amount, the more money they'll make off of that content that they've posted. So they're trying to make the money because it's not quite a job, but they're getting something from it by posting the ads we don't want to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The ads yeah. are a big deal to a lot of small creators because that's that's like the money they make from it, especially if they don't have enough views to get. Because I think after a certain amount of views, you're getting so much traffic on YouTube that they start paying you. Yeah. Right. I think that all depends on ads, though. So there's this... I don't know. Do you want to get into this? Do you want to get into it? We can get into it briefly. Okay, briefly. So um, there's this whole concept of CPM, which is like cost per mil, um, which mil doesn't mean million. It's like the Latin term for a thousand um so it's the cost per thousand views um and depending on your content you can make a different dollar amount per the amount of ad served to a thousand people and it ranges from like two to five dollars on youtube or something like that usually for podcasts it's a little bit more because they you expect that with a long podcast tend to be a little bit longer and you expect to have a little bit more engaged of an audience so they're actually going to be listening in a little bit more intently um so so you have a cost per mill and a lot of that depends on your uh on your audience and what kind of content you're producing. So if you're doing something that's a little bit, I don't, I don't know exactly how they determine it. Um, but if you're doing something a little bit more off color, then your cost per mill might go down a little bit more. If you're doing something a little bit more like friend content friendly, like advertiser friendly, then it's going to tend to go up a little bit more. So there's like this really weird dynamic going on, um, with, with that whole thing. And that's how you determine how much you make. It's all based on ad revenue, essentially. Interesting. I don't even have a computer, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That amazes me that you do all the editing on your Instagram videos, like off your phone or off a tablet. Yep. I did, well, until a couple months ago, I did it all off my phone. I like simple, so I needed to go fast and be simple. I'm not into the super editing. If I was really into editing like some of these guys, I would have to have a computer because even the tablet just really isn't there. But 
computers and me really don't get along. I need like user friendly stuff because I'm not a tech guy. I'm more of, you know, saws. <laughs> yeah. So I just needed to be fast and kind of efficient for me. So I just like the simple editor and throw it all together and upload it. I don't want to spend like, because I've, I've been on a PC where I've spent like 30 hours making a 10 minute video. You know, right, just. Right, yeah. You're mostly learning editing. like the software and yeah, where everything's are, how it goes, the right buttons to get to where, uh, making your clips line up with music, you know, all that stuff. It's just so in depth, and it really wasn't to a video creator. They'd be like, "Dude, that's simple stuff," and I'm just like, "Mind blow. This is so long and hard." I just and then your computer crashes and you've lost all your work. <laughs> <laughs> so. oh, oh yeah, we almost had that situation a few days ago. It was terrifying but uh the computer crashed after the last episode was recorded like hour hour and 45 minute episode and it was before we had saved and so it's like okay well when we boot it back up fingers crossed hands folded in prayer this better have saved in some regard fortunately it did so it did yeah yeah. The I like I literally had to step out. The anticipation was so painful. <laughs> I just it was this tension. I was like, oh no. Yeah, Ryan was shivering. It was it was it was intense. And We've... so starts the gray hairs, Ryan. Oh gosh, oh, they already started. <laughs> he he has a a beautiful red head of hair right now, and he doesn't need any more gray hair. It's probably just gonna start going away or something. Like it's probably not gonna turn gray. It's probably just gonna go away or something. Wow. Yeah. I hope not. I like to think that I'm not gonna go bald. And it's just all gonna go gray really fast. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know my uh I can't really speak a whole lot for my family's like hairline uh genealogy I guess or like how how their hairlines are uh hopefully my hair is gonna be all right though just start asking your relatives so how's your hair this late in life <laughs> that's my dad's hair's fine <laughs> okay well you're probably you're probably doing okay I then. sure hope yeah. so I sure yeah. hope so his hair is also way different color than mine every once in a while I look at like my dad and then my grandparents so. On my dad's side, I'm doing good. Like, okay, my oh, hair's yeah. going to be fine. Once Gray, we... but a full head of hair. Oh, yeah. But once we look on my mom's side of the family, then I'm <laughs> like, ah, no. <laughs> Start <laughs> knocking on wood. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't get that. They... Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah, that's a, that's a scary thing. Maybe we can get sponsored by one of the hair loss. Hymns. Um, hymns. Yeah. 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 We need so... to get hymns on here to sponsor us. We'll give you like a two-minute shout-out. Yeah. Oh, that's a long ad. That's a long for ad. For a podcast? I think so. I think you should... Well, it depends. Like 60 seconds or something? Yeah. I, uh, I was reading something like the the CPM uh, for 30 seconds ads versus 60 second ads. And like 60 seconds ads are obviously a lot better. Like you're going to get more dollars per thousand views. Anyway... I just want to get free cases of Monster shipped to my house. Dude, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. Um, little little topic change with your with your Instagram page being where it's at. Have you gotten any sponsorship? I I mean, I know that you have. Have you gotten any like quote unquote sponsorship opportunities or people being like, hey, we have this product, we like you to try? I have actually. I get messages from time to time on like fitness stuff, and I just delete those. Like, oh, oh. we'd like you to become an ambassador. It's like, no, 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 no. I want cool stuff that's going to pertain to my work. Or my, you know, fun time off. Like energy drinks, you can't go wrong. <laughs> no, that's Gatorade, you can't go wrong. Is the energy drink uh is the stereotype of guys that cut trees and energy drinks being their blood? Is that true? Uh 
for me sometimes. Um, <laughs> other people, it's just very very dark coffee. So I don't know. I don't I don't like dark coffee, most coffees at all. So it's more of like the creamer or the caramel Starbucks or something. You know, <laughs> I, I kind of like sweet stuff, so that's where I tend to go. Or you know, Monster Rain. Don't really like the um, the bangs that much. They they just taste weird. But oh, the pina colada ones I think are pretty good. I don't know. Some of the other ones I'm not a big fan of. They're kind of cough syrupy. Yeah, I've gone through a few and it's like this kind of tastes like vomit. So <laughs> <laughs> moving on to the next one. There goes three dollars. <laughs> oh yeah, that too. Yeah. So I just get the cases of Monster or Red Bull at Costco and call it a day. But you get oh. up at two o'clock in the morning, you kind of need that boost. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, especially, like, first thing in the morning, opening up, like, a or getting a coffee going or, like, an energy drink. I usually have, like, a system for it. So I I don't want to be completely relying on caffeine. So I'll drink, like, a little coffee or something that has, like, 80 milligrams, not a lot. And then I'll go a few hours and I'll drink something that has, like, another 80 milligrams. If I'm really dragging, I'll drink, you know, the 250-milligram monster or something, but oh. not all at once. I'll, I'll stage it out or I'll dump it in my Gatorade. So I'm kind of getting a little boost as I'm going, not like I got up, bam, there's 250 milligrams, and you're wound up for a few hours, and then you're wanting to die again. Oh, so yeah. So I just kinda, it's a little bit too much. Just kind of stagger it out. I don't want to ingest a whole lot and have be totally reliant on it so it doesn't work for you because then you're in real trouble. <laughs> like You need that. You just can't function without it after a certain point, and it's like – yeah. I, or I, you can, but it's not fun. Yeah, it's a drag. <laughs> yeah. So, what would you say your caffeine dependency is like, Brady? Okay, th- that's see, that's a funny question. Today was the first day in a while where I didn't have coffee. And so I was like, I think I'm trying to figure out... it. Uh, it's allergy season, right? Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And it's I'm nasally a- right now from all the pollen I ingested from those alders earlier. Right, and I work in a building that has HEPA filters. And oh, yeah. So like, I'm fine most of the fu- most of the part, most of the fart. <laughs> Whoops! You got those HEPA I'm filters. I'm also gonna drop an F bomb for a second. <laughs> uh, but I I realized I and I'm fairly certain that this is the case that the allergy medicine I was taking and it's not it's nothing too crazy it's like a run of the mill like take one a day kind of thing Excedrin um, or something yeah i think it's or is that an allergy medication i don't know i think i don't i think so uh it's allerfex if you care to know oh okay um i think so what i i've been taking it every day and i realized that it's makes me feel kind of weird like a weird mix of okay have you ever taken like a Sudafed or something you get really like gro- like y- you kind of like it makes you feel weird yeah you're like way too awake but also like sleepy at the same time yeah like cold medication will do that yeah yeah it's something like that and i was re i'm realizing in the past couple days that i'm getting something kind of like that from whatever this allergy medicine is and maybe it's just like psychosomatic i'm not ruling that out yet I'm not ruling that out yet. Placebo type. I was about to say, little do you know, it's just placebo uh, effect, and you're working yourself up, and you're actually just drinking sugar water. (laughs) And I, so, like, you know, I'm in the science field, so, like, I understand that's a total possibility. Um, But, like, I, 
so I'm going to start taking it again and seeing what happens. And, you know, maybe, again, it's it could potentially be psychosomatic. But today was the first day in a long time where I just, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to cut everything out, no caffeine in the morning, and see what happens. And it was, I had, like, a really good morning. It was really weird. <laughs> like, I made sure that I got lots of sleep the night before, so it didn't bother me too bad when I woke up and didn't have caffeine. But, um, yeah, I didn't have any sort of, like, uh, uh, like caffeine headaches or anything like that. So that was that was good. But... You ever tried local honeys? Oh, okay. So Local honey. You eat, like, a tablespoon a day. You just dip it and eat it and... You're getting all the the flour stuff that it's spoke, just hun- just honey, just raw honey. Yeah, you go to like Sunny Farms or you know the Country Air and just get some local honey and find the one you like the best, and you just dip a spoon and eat that. And it's supposed to help with the allergies because you're getting the local stuff that is kind of building an oh. immunity to your reactions to it. I thought you meant it was like a caffeine substitute. No, just the allergies. (laughs) I mean, if you eat enough sugar, it'll wind you up. (laughs) Interesting. So I've heard of that. And funny story, my brother, Cody, who isn't here, unfortunately, again. Serious bummer. um, We have some mead brewing. Oh, I love mead. We'll have to get you some. We'll we'll get you some. Um, It's in a big vat in our uh, back back over the yonder. cellar yeah. over yonder yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then casks <laughs> it's in a big vat and we specifically used local honey because we were like well first of all it's local so it's like good to support your local beekeepers ap- apiarists i guess um and then also like well hey maybe it'll help with allergies like it's, it probably will actually because yeah. it's it's all that stuff is still in there and it's fermenting so fermenting is better for you so, yeah, and it you know makes you happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, it's like an added an added good side effect. Yeah, so yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because I don't think we've even really talked about that on the on the podcast before. We've got about some... mead making. Yeah, well, I mean, mead next when it's done, you know, we could have that as your brew of the day. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be an exciting episode. That would be awesome. We'll have to try it out. Um, Where have you tried mead, Mitch? I get it from the Longhouse. They have it occasionally. No way. Yeah, they got really? two different types. And they have like a um, like a berry type, and then just a regular one, and they're both really good. Like in a can or a growler? Or? No, it's it's a bottle. It's kind of like a wine bottle. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, because mead is essentially it's a, a wine, wine. A honey wine, yeah. honey wine. Yeah, yeah. And so back like back when I was younger, I always thought like mead. That's what like the Vikings drink and whatnot, and it must be like some sort of grog. But it's actually <laughs> <laughs> it's actually just like wine it's like it's relatively sweet it's nothing yeah when i first tried it it surprised me how sweet it was yeah it is more sweet but i like the sweet so it really does good i i'm i've been known to add sugar to wine oh because i don't like like the dries or the bitters it's just like so it's like a tablespoon of sugar in that and wind her up and you're good to go (laughs) interesting have you ever tried something like a mogan david no, I can't say they have. Okay, I so that's something that my grandma has always. That's like, it, she's not much of a wine drinker, but if she ever uh, like buys wine for holiday or whatever, she buys Mogan David, and it's very sweet. It's it's almost like a church wine kind of thing where it's like it's just really 
it's it's definitely still wine, but it's like it, it's sweet. It's it's very inoffensive. So, <laughs> what's it made out of? Like, is it like still grapes? Yeah, of course. Oh. It's wine. Well, because some wine, uh, well, there's like strawberry wine, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So that's funny. Like my grandma would always drink that because it was really sweet. You can drink strawberry wine, watermelon wine, any kind of fruit or sugar. Really, any kind of sugar you can turn into a wine. Here's a wild one for you: dandelion wine. Oh, have but you it, ever had that? Yeah, yeah. But it's wow. it's only good after it's been aged like a year. Interesting. Yeah. Not good before. Just tastes like dandelions. It, or? It, it's like it. The process hasn't finished. It's like it takes that amount of time. Like you sip it, and you're like, oh, this really isn't that good. And then the older it gets, you know, aged like a fine wine, the better it gets. But another one, and it's loaded with vitamin C, is rosehip wine off the, you know, the rose petals. Yeah. Yes. So is that only using sugar from the dandelions and rose hips, or is there other sugar in there for the yeast to eat and make alcohol? Poured in by the bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that checks out. That checks out. Um, oh, interesting. So in the last episode, we talked about, um, we talked about the blackberry wine, uh, no, it black currant wine. Yes. Uh, and so uh, it was a black currant cider. Sorry. Excuse me. That's right. That rings a bell. We found out that it's black currants and apples. So it actually does have apples in it. Um, with an infusion of black currant. Yeah, exactly. So you're getting the black currant flavor, um, but you're getting a lot of sugar from the apples for the yeast to get in there, make the alcohol, and then die off whenever they reach whatever alcohol content they get to. Um, yeah, yeah. I like pear cider. Ooh, like Thin Rivers. Yeah, it's expensive, but it's you good. Guys have tried all these cool ciders and well, wines. Okay, so the Longhouse, which I'm like two miles away from has a massive selection of beers, wines, whatever. So you go in there and you're like a kid in a candy shop. It's like, what aisle should I pick next? And <laughs> I've been trying to work my way through the beer section to see which one I really like. And I've landed on Fat Tire for a while now. But like, it's like, ah, oh, I go over the 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 hard alcohol section and they have all every different type of, you name it, it's there. But that's the only place that I found the mead. Like Safeway doesn't have it or mm. Walmart or any of the big kind of like a know. specialty. Yeah, and it's like, but they usually always have it. So I'm like, well, all right, you guys, uh, grab a bottle of this. I don't do it all the time, but it's a good treat every now and then. You know, it's like, yeah, some mead. I'll drink it from a a horn with my pinky finger up. <laughs> <laughs> with your helmet on with the horns. Yeah, like this is a fine horn of mead. <laughs> Fun fact: Look over in the corner. Oh yeah, there you go. Yep, there's a, there's actually a horn there. <laughs> yeah, a full horn. So when your mead's finished, <laughs> <laughs> totally, we we got it, we got it. Um, Very like period correct. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, pear cider, if it's like true, it's it, just pears. Is actually in a lot of places called perry. Um, and it has yeah, it's it's interesting. I read this uh, really interesting book. Um, called, hold on, uh, the drunken botanist. There you go. Um, and it tells you all about the different, uh, like everything you need to know about what plants are going into your alcohol. Um, so if you're interested at all in what is being used to create your alcohol, you can, uh, check that book out. 
Um, I forget the the name of the author, but the drunken botanist. Um, so called Perry, and there's this interesting phenomenon which maybe we have talked about on the podcast before. I'm not sure. Some bottles of Perry you can find a full grown pear in the bottle, and. We have talked about this. Yeah, so interesting. Where it couldn't fit in the bottle. Right, it's like, it's obviously too big to have gone inside the bottle. Like, it's not going to fit in the neck. Do you have any guess how they got the pear inside the bottle? It grew itself. They put a seed in there. No, no. I don't remember. You might have actually told me before, but I don't remember the outcome. You don't remember? don't remember the outcome. Okay, so... They take, like, where the pear is going to grow from. They put the bottle over that spot. Oh, yeah. And they actually let the pear grow inside of the bottle. And then you've got a, you got a pear in the bottle. And it sounds, like, too good to be true. But I assure you that that's the truth. Makes me paranoid not to want to drink the pear cider in case I grow one inside me. <laughs> paranoid. <laughs> ah. Oh, I had to. I had to. Uh. Oh, man. Well, what else do we have to talk about? I don't know. So, we're about an hour and 24 in. Uh, coming to a good, good, uh, convenient break in the conversation. Yes. Um, this has been a good episode. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Thank Mitch. Thank you so much for being on, man. Yeah, it's been fun. Mitch, what do you have to say for yourself? Oh, if I had to say something, it'd be like, Ryan, put me on your list. I need that squared away 661. You're on the list. Ah. <laughs> You're on the list. You're on the list. And if I get antsy, I might get another 500 on that list as well. So I can I can dial you in on the chainsaw work. <laughs> My life revolves around saws, so it's just a big chain spinning up there in that brain. So <laughs> right on. Let me let uh, me ask you this real quick, just just to wrap things up. Uh, in your in your line of business, doing what you do with the tree work, what sets you apart from others? If you don't mind sharing, I don't know. You can. Take that wherever you want to. I think probably the biggest thing is I'm a solo operator, so I do it all by myself. I am the climber. I'm the faller. I'm the ground guy. I'm the raker. I am from top to bottom. It's all me. I don't have help. I'm kind of a perfectionist and a little OCD, so I like things perfectly my way. Like mm-hmm. it's like it's my property, and I've done it. I want it perfect. That's how I leave my job sites for my clients. And I climb with a pole saw occasionally. Climbing <laughs> <laughs> with a pole saw, that's not easy. <laughs> well, no, but, you know, I mean, like today there's these rotten spots and these alders that I, with all my gear that I'm climbing with, I'm probably like 260, maybe 270 pounds with all my gear. It's a lot up there. And your mind starts thinking, okay, I'm down to smaller wood. How bad is this rot? Alder is a hardwood, so maybe it's just going to pop on you, you know? So my pole saw that I bought from Thomas that reaches 20 feet extended. I can reach above my head 25 feet. So I can snip off whatever I want without going up and taking out a 10 foot top. Maintaining your safety. To me, it's working smarter, not harder. And I'm maintaining my safety because I do want to go home at the end of the day. I don't want to be hauled off in an ambulance and I don't want to spend six months on the couch because I busted myself up doing something that I was trying to rush or I didn't think through. So trying to save 10 minutes and then mm-hmm. a day on the couch is a day you're not making money. Right. So, well, and it's just like, uh, I, I could be cutting trees today. A week later, I could be cutting trees today if I wasn't sitting on this couch and a full body cast. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's a good that's a good piece of advice is that uh you want to work smarter not harder but also remember that you're you are not invincible. You're not invincible. And to me, that's what it feels like climbing a little later in life. Cause I've only been climbing for about four or five years and I'm not, you know, an 18 or 19 year old, like, Oh, let's get up there. Let's get her done. Safety. What, you know, it's like, you're thinking about it more because you know, you're older, you've learned a few things throughout the time of your life. And, you know, I mean, my kind of motto is slow is smooth and smooth is fast. If I'm rushing, that's a great one if I'm rushing and I'm not thinking as well as I could be, if I'm just taking calculated, you know, I, I study it and I see, okay, this is going to do that. That's going to do this. If I'm like, got to get to the next one, you're overlooking things and there's more of a chance something's going to go wrong. I don't want anything to go wrong. Nothing's gone wrong yet. I'm knocking on this Nissan tailgate. <laughs> that's not, that's not wood, but yeah, I mean, so far I've been, I wouldn't call it lucky. I would call it good calculation and experience. And hopefully that'll continue for a very long time. I sure hope so. Uh, What's your Instagram? Mitch Zenobi Trees. M-I-T-C-H. Yep. Z-E-N-O-B-I Trees. Right on. That's awesome. We'll get you a follower or two. Yeah, Yeah, cool. Um, I'm guessing, so we're, we're getting shirts pretty soon. So, uh, I'm guessing you take like extra large, extra, extra large. <laughs> well, if you happen to make talls, oh yeah. If it's not going to shrink too bad, I, I run a large tall or an extra large tall. Okay. Yeah. What was the MPI shirt that you got? It was an extra large. Just a normal extra but large. But not at all. And it's, it's held out pretty good, but if it was a, like an inch or two more. I have a long torso. I am six foot ten after all. Your belly, belly poking out. <laughs> eh, you know, I mean, if I'm wearing my suspenders, it holds in there pretty good. If I'm just wearing a belt, and it's like, oh, half my back showing. I'm supposed to wear the, <laughs> you know, look. the midriff today. <laughs> we'll keep that in mind then. Yeah, I don't gotcha. think we, I don't think we are making talls, but I mean, you'd, it's probably yeah. only me to be your only customer on the tall length, but hey, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, well, with that, I think we're just about ready to wrap it up. Yes. Um, if you want to reach out to us, that would be fantastic. You can hit our DMs on Instagram, Impaired Upstairs. Um, that's at Impaired Upstairs. At impaired Upstairs. Uh, our website, impairedupstairs.com. You can listen to all of our episodes. There's also a Contact Us page or page extension. Yep. And uh, you can you can reach us out, reach out to us on that. Give uh, us any positive or negative reinforcement. We'd like to hear it all. Or you can reach out if you want to be on an episode. Yeah, um, you can also hit us up on our uh, email info at impairedupstairs.com. Uh, that's a great place to reach us as well. Um, we have a Snapchat. Check that out. In uh, impaired up strs. Unfortunately, there's a character limit. What can you do? What can you do? Um, other than that, uh, yeah, just share, like, uh, follow Spotify, Audible, Apple podcasts. Yeah. Uh, listen, follow Mitch Zenobi trees on Instagram. Um, He could use a few more followers. Oh yeah. And honestly, like he's got some good content on this content is top notch. Even if you're not interested in trees, I've seen some of his stuff. It's really cool. There'll it's, be something on there that you might find entertaining for sure. Lots oh, of, yeah. Lots of action. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, if we're not out felling trees, building chainsaws, all that good stuff, we'll be here upstairs. Impaired.